He's a trigger warning waiting to happen. This is the Adam Crowley Show on ESPN Pittsburgh. It's Ravens week. AFC North football. And it doesn't do it for me anymore. You found the Crowley Show where your mom listens, and you should too. 412-922-2874 is the number to call. Or you can join the cast of dozens. Follow me on Twitter, at underscore Adam Crowley. Brian LaMartina sitting across from me. Shirtless Tom behind the glass. Check them out on Twitter, at FBomber73, at ButtonPusher970. Tell your kids... Tell your wife, we doing radio up in here. Man, Steelers-Ravens used to be so much more special. Now you've got the Ravens coming in at 2-1. and one. Their victories over the Broncos, eh, and the Bills, ugh. They lost to the Bengals, eh. Steelers, 1-1-1. One, one, and one. They're tied to the Browns, <gasps> They're lost to the Chiefs, giving up 42 at home, <gasps> And their victory against a Tampa team with their backup quarterback. The luster is gone. And I realize it's Sunday night football, but a lot more people are talking about Patriots-Dolphins. There are other games this weekend that are getting top billing, and a decade ago, that would not have been the case. A decade ago, not just locally, not just in Baltimore, but the entire country would have been talking Stillers-Ravens. And sure, it is a big one. If the Steelers win and the Bengals lose then the Steelers will have sole possession of first place in the AFC North. If the Ravens win, then the Ravens will have sole possession of first place in the AFC North if the Bengals lose. So it's big from that aspect. But nationally, it ain't sexy. Nationally, it doesn't get the blood pumping. But back in the day, oh, in 2008, the Steelers beat the Ravens three times. 23-20. 13 and 9. Shouldn't say that score sends shudders down my spine. And 23 to 14. Even though the Steelers swept Baltimore, I think you had to respect the squad. They played great defense. They ran the football. They were hard nosed. Pittsburgh won the first two games of the series in such nail biting fashion that I was not confident at all, really, going into the AFC Championship game. You're talking about a coin flip. Joe Flacco was a rookie, and I thought that gave the Steelers the edge, but the Ravens' defense had given Ben Fitz in both games prior to the playoffs. Unflappable Flacco, they were calling him. He then threw a pick six to Troy when the game was 16-14, to and that was all she wrote. But each game was a bloodbath. Rashard Mendenhall broke his leg on a hit from Ray Lewis earlier in the season. Willis McGahee and Ryan Clark were simultaneously knocked out on a hit in the AFC Championship game. Ben was always bruised and bloodied after the game. He still to this day says the hardest hit he's ever taken was from Bart Scott. Think about the combatants. Ray Lewis, Hall of Famer. Ed Reed, future Hall of Famer. Terrell Suggs knocking at the door. Bart Scott, wasn't a great player, but boy was he a son of a bitch. Ray Rice, James Harrison, Troy Polamalu, Lamar Woodley at the time. Heinz Ward. And Flacco was clutching the rivalry a number of times, as was Ben. Think about that 13-9 victory in Baltimore in 2008. The Ravens had a chance to salt that puppy away. They were up 9-6 to with a few minutes to go. And before the game, the Ravens were boasting about their defense, not the Steelers' defense being the best in the league. 
Ben and the Steelers then went 123 yards on their game-winning drive. Yes, that is true. 123 due to penalties. They actually had to go all Canadian football. Santonio caught the ball in the middle of the field. He brought the ball into his body. Is it over the line? Is it not over the line? Did it count? Was it over? The Ravens bitched to high heaven after the game. Harbaugh complained. Shocking. Ray Lewis complained. Man, I remember at the time thinking, if this is the best defense in the league, then why are you complaining about the last inch instead of the 123 yards you gave up in route to the end zone? Then you fast forward. 2010, there were three classics. The Ravens came into Heinz Field with Ben suspended, and Joe Flacco found T.J. Hushmanzada in the back of the end zone with less than a minute left. Clutch. Silence. Steelers fell to 3-1. and one. Later in the year, the AFC North was up for grabs, as it always was back then, at M&T Bank Stadium. With a chance to sweep Pittsburgh, Baltimore just inexplicably was trying to throw the ball late to seal the deal. What?! Troy came bursting off the edge, strip-sack flack job, and the Steelers scored late to win the puppy. In the playoffs, instant classic, the Ravens took a 21-7 lead in a halftime. One of the weirdest strip-sacks ever occurred, where Ben gets hit, ball comes out. Neither team thought the ball was live, except for one player on the Ravens who scooped and scored. Classic. I remember getting into an argument with the guy in the bleachers at Heinz Field. I was hammered and underage. Don't do that at home, kids. When the Steelers were lining up late to kick a field goal, I said, go for it, you're down two touchdowns. I was wrong. Steelers came back and they won. Antonio Brown made the catch of the day, really announced himself on the NFL stage against his helmet. Ball game. Those were the good old days. Hall of Famers, Lewis, Reed, Troy, Ben, Suggs, Harrison, they were all special. And if the Steelers didn't win in 2008, I think Baltimore wins the Super Bowl. If the Steelers didn't win in 2010, I think the Ravens go to the Super Bowl. Baltimore won in 2013. Steelers won in 2008. Back then, the games were heated, and the stakes were so high. Now, a couple of years ago, on Christmas, the Steelers pulled it out late with A.B. reaching over the goal line. That was for the division. But the stakes weren't the same. It doesn't feel like that this year either, does it? Both teams are ho-hum mediocre. The Ravens are bad on offense, and the Steelers are bad on defense. Both teams are playoff contenders, but I wouldn't pick either to win the Super Bowl. I wouldn't pick either to win the AFC. I know I'm getting all nostalgic here, but it was special back then. Now it's a rivalry, but it's not the same. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Jerry Dulac going to be joining us in 13 minutes to discuss. I think just going down memory lane also tells you Just how different football was back then. All you need to do is look at this rivalry, and you can get a snapshot of where the league has been over the years. Think back to the Seahawks-49ers rivalry. That was hard-nosed. There was good defense being played in that series, but (laughs) it wasn't the same. And that was touted up as the great defensive rivalry of now. The now being four or five years ago. The defense was different. Wasn't as good. The Christmas Day game was an offensive showcase more so than a defensive one. Le'Veon Bell scored a couple of touchdowns in the fourth quarter. was a monster. A.B. took it over with a late touchdown, reaching over the goal line. It was great. It was cool. It was Christmas. Cole and the Ravens stocking. High-scoring game. And that tells you the difference right there in the rivalry. 
In 2008, 2010, 2005, 2001, it was 13 to 9. It's 10 to 6. It's 10 to 9. It's 13 to 12. It's close football games where every single yard was a damn battle. Every single yard, dudes were bleeding. Joey Porter's climbing onto the bus. Let's go, mother bleeper. You don't have that anymore. Last year, the Steelers beat the Ravens 39-38. to The games are as close. They're tight. They're as close as they've ever been. But they're close and high scoring. It shows you, in a microcosm, how the league and the game is changing in front of our very eyes. In fact, the Steelers-Ravens of the late 2000s was the last true old-school rivalry in the NFL. We will never see the likes of it again. It's never going to happen. You have teams that hate each other. It'll never be the same as it was back then. Football's getting softer, for better or for worse. I'm happy that I was cognizant of it happening at the time. Because it was my first real memories of football. 2001, I'm 11 years old. Ravens win the championship the year before with one of the best defenses of all time. That's what I grew up watching. And the Steelers, the next year, they go 13-3. and They beat the Ravens in the playoffs again in a low-scoring game. Came down to a couple of field goals. Tony Saragusa retired. That's what I remember football as. A dude like Saragusa. A guy like Casey Hampton. You know who Casey Hampton is today if he wants to play football? A grocer. He's on the field 25% of the time. He didn't have a place in the game. Tony Saragusa didn't have a place in the game. It's mind-boggling. Steelers had Ben Roethlisberger, and yet, going against that defense, they're lining up in I formation, handing the ball to Rashard flipping Mendenhall, because that's what football was. And again, for better or for worse, it's different. And we'll never see that rivalry again. You'll never see a guy climb onto the bus and it be folklore. Now a dude climbs onto the bus, he'll wind up like Everson Griffin out in Seattle, they'll put him in a mental institution. You can't do it anymore. The headshots, the cheap shots, there was a bounty placed on Heinz Ward. And speaking of Richard Mendenhall, I was in the stadium in 2008, game one, hell of a game. I think Lamar Woodley had three and a half sacks. But I heard Richard Mendenhall's bone snap from the upper deck. Crunch. That doesn't exist anymore. And by that I mean the Ravens, I guarantee it took pride in hurting them. And anytime Heinz Ward put his chops into the face of Ed Reed coming across the middle, I guarantee you Heinz Ward did not feel bad. I guarantee he gets up smiling. Football was different. And I loved it. I don't love it as much anymore. And I'm a liberal namby-pamby snowflake. I know. But I kind of want my football to be football. I mean, it's getting me all hot and bothered just thinking about it. We'll never see it again. Crackback, blindside blocks are illegal. Shame. So are hits to the head in any fashion. Shame. Receivers are deemed defenseless. And God forbid you even think about touching the quarterback. I was thinking about this because I went back. I was watching highlights today. It's Steelers week, baby. Ravens week. AFC North football. And when Joe Flacco threw that interception to Troy Polamalu, he also gets hit off the left side. I believe it was by Lamar Woodley. Probably would have been roughing the passer. 
Wouldn't have counted. Pull it all back. 15 yards. Ravens go down, kick a field goal, win. It's just different ball. Those were the days. And those days are over. 412-922-2874. We got Jerry Dulac, as I said, coming up in a few minutes here on the Crowley Show. I didn't realize how much I missed it until I went back and I was looking at the highlights. There's something about a defensive slugfest. People say that offensive football, if you look at the Big 12, oh, it's nasty. Oh, it's terrible. Well, I happen to think that the offenses are so good that they make the defenses look bad. Ben Roethlisberger is a Hall of Famer. That Ravens defense was so good it made Ben look bad, but people adored it. People can wrap their heads around 9 to 6 and 13 to 9. They can't wrap their heads around 42 to 41. And when I look back and I see that, I I realize why. It was everything that you love about football because I like to see offenses make the plays in the face of that good defense. I like to see the defense Make a stand. I like to watch punting sometimes. We don't have that anymore. Think about the last two games the Steelers have played. They don't resemble at all football. If you take yourself from 2008 and hop in the DeLorean, skip forward now to 2018 and put that game on TV. Let's go to Stoosh next up on the Crowley Show. What's up, man? Good, buddy. Hello. Hey. 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 Rush. Stush. Hey. Rush. Yeah, Sparks. I was having a hard time hearing you. What's up, man? Hey, buddy. Uh, it's Stush, anyway. I've been calling you for years. It's, it's, mm. you, you do a nice job, though, for a young guy. You really do. Oh, and what I wanted to yeah. tell you is my sons yeah. are probably even older than you, 28, 29. I cut a for the time they were young. They don't recognize the game as it is today. They should be done with it. Just put the flags on the quarterbacks. I taught my sons how I was taught in college, which is put your face mask in the guy's numbers. I mean, they used to have blocking sleds with numbers 01, the mod sleds. You put your face mask in. I mean, it's sad. It really is. I mean, I, I don't even recognize the game. If you recall when you were talking about back in 05, 06, 07, remember the old ESPN at the end of the game, at the end of the day, Tommy Jackson and Michael Irvin and yeah. they do the jacked up segment? That was like my favorite thing. It's the whole game. Just, got, just play the whole game uh, back. Hey, oh I appreciate God. the call, Stush. I got to run because I got to get to Jerry Dulac. Uh, it is amazing I'm able to do this radio show being as young as I am, though. It's a good job for a young guy. It's a real battle. Can you pass me my rattle and my bottle, please? Oh, come on. He meant well. He did. He's right, though. It's totally different, and I bring this up a lot. Last year when the Patriots were going to play in the Super Bowl against the Philadelphia Eagles, they did Patriots Week, all the Super Bowls that they've won. They had them every single day on damn NFL Network. And... When the Patriots won the Super Bowl in 2001, they were doing it under eye formation. They had fullbacks. They're still throwing it short and horizontal, but it was a totally different game. And there are aspects of that game that I desperately miss. Defense is not the same now. We'll talk to Jerry Dulac about that coming up in just a few minutes. It's Crowley Show. The Adam Crowley Show. Well, can I just speak for myself here, please? No! I will not speak to you, Stat Pat. I've had it up to here with you. Well, you can hear me, okay? Just listen no! to me. Just for a second. No! Enough! Adam Crowley on ESPN Pittsburgh. Steelers-Ravens. 
on Sunday. Jerry Dulac will be part of the broadcast team, as he always is, on the Steelers Radio Network. He also, of course, the writer for the Post-Gazette. He's brought to you by the pub in Tonnendale, Oakdale. $3 Bud Light, 16-ounce aluminum bottles during Steelers games. Go on down, have yourself a drink. Jerry, good afternoon, pal. Hello, Adam. How are you? I'm doing all right, buddy. I wanted to ask you a question before we got into football, though, because that's what we do here on the show. Uh, during the break, Tom was eating a chowder, and it got us to think, is chili a soup? I, you know what? Here's, here's why I'll say it is, because you see it on menus, and down at the Steeler facility, when they put out their soups, some days they have chili. I don't consider it a soup. It's chili to me. Yeah, I think chili's just chili. Uh, the Steelers be you. damned. Uh, right. Jerry Dulac joining us here on the Crowley Show. Uh, in the first segment... Wedding soup, yeah. chicken noodle soup, broccoli, cheese, broccoli soup, you know, onion, French onion soup, that's soup. Chili's not soup. I'll agree with that. 100% chili's chili. Uh, right. Jerry, the Steelers-Ravens, in the first segment we were talking about, 2008, 2005, 2001, the old rivalry. And as close as these games have still been of late, it just doesn't feel the same at all, does it? Well, it's different. It's different, Adam, because it's not 13, 10, 16, 13, 17, 14, uh, you know, the 12, 11. It's not those games. Um, it's, it's, it's 39, 38, 32, 24, 37, uh, you know, 30. Um, they've been high-scoring games, and and I think in the last three meetings, the Steelers are averaging 32 points against them, and I don't know that it's going to change uh, uh, Sunday night. The Ravens, for a change, are averaging 32 points a game, uh, a little bit over that, 32.3, I believe. And Adam, under Joe Flacco, they've never averaged more than 25 points uh, uh, per game in a season. Um, so... And I know it's early, but, you know, it's a a different Ravens attack. Yeah, their defense isn't giving up a lot of points. Um, Their pass defense is good, despite not having uh, Jimmy Smith, who was suspended, their best corner. Um, But we've seen what Ben has done in the last two home games. He's passed for over 900 yards, well over 900 yards, eight uh, eight touchdowns in that time. Um, So, you know, you have to think, that it's going to be another 34-27 type of game. Um, I, I, you know, it's not going to be, not going to be that 16-13, 13-10 stuff that we had become accustomed to uh, in this series. It's, of course, it's it's kind of a symptomatic of the way the game is played now, but it also uh, it's also uh, you know kind of the way these two teams have played the last three four times they've met. Jerry Dulac joining us here on the Crowley Show. Is that a product of the league? You think just changing? Oh Jerry? yeah. I don't think there's any question, but I also think it's a product of, of, of uh, Joe Flacco being able to, um, you know, have a, 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 a more stable set of receivers. And by that, I mean, you know, they cleaned out their receiving room last year, got rid of the, uh, you know, last couple of years, the Mike Wallace's, the Jeremy Macklin's, uh, those kinds of guys that they just kept bringing in, basically, it seemed, for a cup of coffee. They haven't drafted anyone. They've done a poor job over the years of not giving Joe Flacco the targets he need. And while Michael Crabtree and, and Willie Sneed and, and John Brown aren't exactly Julio Jones, Antonio Brown, and Odell Beckham, they are at least accomplished receivers that he can get the ball to. And, and that's what he's been doing. 
so now we'll see how that translates into a full season. But I think bringing in a whole new fleet of receivers for him and having a couple of decent tight ends in, in Nick Boyle and, and the rookie who I'm drawing a blank on his name, Adam, I, I think, um, you know, I think that's been the, the, the difference for Joe Flacco. I've always been a Joe Flacco fan. I've always thought, um, I always thought that, um, you know, he was the best, he and Aaron Rodgers were the de- best deep passers of the football in the league. He's always very accurate, a very accurate deep thrower. Um, but he just didn't have the players. And I think that's what I think that's the difference so far here in the first three games of the year. Yeah, and they're 12 for 12 in the red zone and scoring right. touchdowns. I mean, so. Right. And, if, and if you look at them, you know, it's six rushing, six passing. And you look, I think, three or four different receivers have caught the six touchdowns, and two or three different running backs have scored in uh, of those six inside the red zone. So that goes to what I was saying earlier. He He's just kind of spreading the ball around, so it's not like he's relying on one target or two. Um, you know, he's able, they're, they're doing it different ways, and they're doing it with different people. And 12 for 12 is, is pretty impressive. Obviously, it's the best in the league, the only team that has converted every opportunity. Uh, you know, Adam, the Steelers are pretty good in the red zone, too, with touchdowns. They're 6 of 7, uh, but 12 of 12 is pretty impressive. Is the offensive line going to be intact this game, Jerry? I think so. I think, you know, David DeCastro has indicated to me that he's going to play and I believe he will. He did not give me that same indication last week. Um, and and um, I think Ramon Foster will play. And, uh, you know, we'll see on Marcus Gilbert, but I, I think um, I think there's a good chance. I think they've really uh, missed David DeCastro the last two games. You look at the running game, uh, you know, in the last two games, I know they got behind Kansas City 21 nothing. so, you know, you're going to have to start throwing the ball, but I, uh, what, what was James Conner? Six for nine yards. And, right. and, and Adam, until that 27 yard run, which was big, not only for the Steelers in the fourth quarter in the four minutes, uh, under four minutes, it was also big for James Conner. But until from that fumble to that 27 yard run, uh, there hadn't been a whole lot going on in that run game. James Conner was 34 carries for 40 yards Jeez. from the fumble to that 27 yard run. And uh, he had six runs of negative yards in that time, and I think two runs of zero yards. So, you know, they, the, the yards were coming grudgingly, but that's why I thought, the, the, you know, and then he followed that 27-yarder with a 17-yarder. And uh, that's how, you know, that's how you close out games. Bill Cowher used to always talk about you, you, you pass early to run late. And, and that's, that's the ideal concept. And you want to, as he used to say, take the air out of the ball in the second half. Uh, well, especially with four minutes to go, and that's what they did. And his runs enabled Ben then, you know, for them to, to uh, uh, you know, kind of kill the clock and Ben just to go to, to three straight knees at that point. And so uh, they, they were big on several fronts, but I think they were really big for James Conner, who really kind of just had a tough go, not having a lot of room, not doing a lot since that fumble at the end of the Cleveland game. Jerry Dulac joining us here on the Crowley Show from the Post-Gazette and the Steelers Radio Network. Artie Burns, do you still think that he could ever get it, Jerry? Well, you know, Adam, that's kind of the operative word, you know, him getting it. Um, you know, he has the ability. They know that. Uh, we've seen him in training camp. We, You know, I mean, I think everybody thought he was really ready to take the next step. But I think the same thing happens with uh, Artie. They, they, you know, they want him to 
you know, be pay a little bit more attention to down and distance and details and, and, and kind of, you know, zoom in a little bit better, maybe a little more, uh, uh, you know, focus. I don't want to say intensity, but intensity of focus, you know, throughout. And I think that's where he, you know, he lapses. And you can, you know, you could, Adam, you could coach all these guys up. You could tell them what to do. You could show them what to do. You show them this play, that play. Do you got it? Yes, go over it. And then they get out on the field. And then, you know, it's, uh, you know, I, I said this earlier, it's, it's like Yahtzee. You know, you put the dice in the canister and you, and you roll them out, you see what you got. And that's kind of, that's what you got with this defense. And that's what you got with Artie Burns. And, uh, you know, it gets, it gets maddening to the coaches. I'm not going to give up on them. You know, we've seen Ike Taylor get benched. Sure. Way back when Mel Blunt got benched, got pulled out of a game. Mel Blunt in his, in his early stages. Um, I'm certainly not comparing him to Mel Blunt. Uh, but I, I mean, Artie Burns was a first round draft pick. So there's a lot of attention being focused on him. There's a lot of expectation of Artie Burns to be better than what he is. And, 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 you know, we all thought that this was the year coaches thought based on what they saw in training camp. I remember Joe Hayden said, saying in camp, uh, when I talked to him that he's ready to be a, a number one cornerback, meaning a top tier cornerback. And, uh, we, you know, we, we just don't see it on a consistent basis. You only see flashes of it and that's what's happening. And they're just, they're trying, hoping to get his attention to, to focus, be a little bit more intense, little, pay a little bit more attention to uh, detail assignments and down and distance. Jerry, how do you think that Stefan Tuit and Cam Hayward have been playing? Well, you know, I was asked about Tuit today in a chat. Um, and, 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 you know, the question was posed almost the same as yours because it was tinged with you don't think they're playing very well is my guess i i don't think uh i i think um cam is cam uh cam gets double teamed just about every play um i don't have a huge issue with either of them but i think i think the key though uh the the difference is last year we saw cam hayward all the time where he was a disruptive player and I think that's one because they needed him to be. Stephon Tuitt played injured from the second play on, uh, second play in Cleveland in the opener the rest of the year with a torn bicep. But I, but you saw not a whole lot from the linebackers. And what we saw in Tampa was a very good performance across the board from the linebackers. So if that's the trade-off, if maybe Cam Hayward and Stephon Tuart are going to occupy more people to allow the linebackers to make some plays, then if that's the trade-off, then so be it. Uh, ideally, you would like to see all of them making plays, and I'm not saying that Cam and Stephon Tuart aren't, but I think I get asked that question because we're not seeing them be the disruptive players that, that, that uh, everyone would like them to be, is my guess. Yeah, that's just it. I don't think they've been bad by any stretch. Right. You just want to see them maybe flash a little bit more. But, again, if the linebackers are going to be playing all right like they did in Tampa, then I think you can survive, absolutely. Uh, Jerry Dulac joining us here on the Crowley Show. All right, Jerry, it's time for the kicker question because I guess there needs to be a kicker question now. Are they just going to keep letting him kick through it, and do they have faith that he is going to right the ship, or is he Steve Blass now? Yeah, they, they really have no other choice, but I, I, I yeah, mean, but I believe that it's, yeah, they, you know, Mike Tomlin said the other day he doesn't have a problem with the kicker, 
but he has a problem with the kicking game, meaning they, you know, obviously missing a field goal each of the first three games. He's one of four. He's missed two extra points. I mean, it's just so odd because this guy was so automatic. Um, and, you know, maybe every kicker has a little slump at some point. We'll have to see how this plays out, but it's not been a good start to the season. I think the, the, the signing of these big contracts becomes a jinx, Adam. That's what happens to Fon Tewitt signing that big deal on a Saturday last year. Then he goes out in Cleveland on a second play of the game, tears his bicep tendon. And now here comes, uh, here comes the kicker. Chris Boswell signs the big contract right before the season and gets off to a horrible start. Uh, it, it doesn't look bad. Obviously, the cryptics out there want to say that, oh, yeah, he gets the money and he loses focus and now he doesn't care right. anymore. That has... That has nothing to no. do with it. It just becomes circumstantial, but it's just so it's just so odd and and puzzling because the guy never missed a, a clutch kick. You know, he's I don't think he's missed from December into January. Maybe one like like thirteen out of fourteen. Um, the guy's been automatic and clutch, and to see him miss some, he's hit a couple uprights, as we know. Um, it's just uh, just odd. I think. You know, and he has, you know, I don't want to say, I don't want to use the golf parlance and say he has a two-way miss because he's missed him right and he's missed him left. It would be one thing. I think it would be more disturbing if he was snapping him off all the time or maybe just fanning him right, as they say, giving it the Mike Vanderjack kick, you know, right. he's just plain old shanked it. Uh, I don't think that's the case. But, you know, when you start missing him like that, then you start to press a little bit and we'll we'll see how he bounces back from it. Jerry, really appreciate the time as always, and have fun calling the uh, doing the pregame show on Sunday. You got it, brother. Thanks, uh, thanks, Adam. Good chat with you. Thank you. That's Jerry Dulac of the Post Gazette and the Steelers Radio Network. Brought to you by the Pub in Tonnendale, Oakdale. Three dollar Bud Light, sixteen ounce aluminum bottles are served during Steelers games. Go out there and drink some beer. Is chili a soup? We'll get to that coming up next, and I think the Steelers might be. More fine than I was initially saying. Tell you why. Crowley Show. This is the Adam Crowley Show. Oh, I like him. <laughs> He's a handsome guy. ESPN Pittsburgh, 970 AM and 106.3 FM. I'll tell you why I am not as concerned about the Steelers as I have been sounding in just a few minutes here. But first, Brian thinks chili's a soup. He is, dude. He's dead ass wrong. So wrong. It is, man. I mean, look, liquid, meat, other stuff. Liquid, what? not broth. Liquid meat. Bam. Liquid. Wait, wait, Check wait. And not mate. broth. Check Bro- and mate. Broth is something that is based off of something. So technically, the liquid within chili, it based off of the the meat. So that is a broth, just a thick one. Is he right? No, he's not right. Because okay. I think you don't know. I think chili has meat as the base layer, and I think that that. There's there's nastiness is it a base in there? layer though. When you I think when so. you make chili, do you what do you start with? I put meat in a pot. No, you do. No, talking, that's not chili. Are we that's talking? Are pot. we talking crock pot chili? How do you make chili? Or stove top chili. How do you chili? make chili? It How depends on. It depends on which way you want to make it. Say uh, crock pot chili. You brown it a little bit. 
Right. Throw it in the crock pot. What's in the crock pot when you throw it in there? Onions. What else? Beans. What else? Other chili flavorings. Peppers. Not any tomato sauce. Tomato sauce. Yeah, tomato sauce. That's not a broth, though. That's tomato sauce. You're basically throwing meat into tomato soup. Okay, let's play this game, then. Am I wrong? Let's play this game, then. Am I wrong? He really didn't do our side of the argument any favor. (laughs) He didn't, did he? I mean... No, let's play this game, then. Is meat sauce a soup? I don't think so. No, meat sauce is a different thing. There's not a bunch of stuff in there. There's not the vegetables. There's not oh, the chili. Oh, there's vegetables there's in, not in the meat chili. sauce. There's not all. Okay. Like there onions. can be, but that's not. Then it's become soup on your spaghetti. It's Does become it chili on your spaghetti. No. Does it become soup on your spaghetti? That's no. It's a little ridiculous, Brian. I agree. When you think about it. It does, because you have liquid, you have meat, and you have other stuff, okay. which is my definition of soup. So then if. Look, I'm not arguing. Chili is my favorite soup. So then, is the so- best soup ever? Is the I so- love chili. Chili's my favorite chili. Is the sauce you put on top of spaghetti? Is that some sort of like thick soup then? Because it's, like, it's like a tomato soup. We just soup. went it's over marinara. this. So what do you classify that as? It's like a sauce. But you just said it's liquid. Yeah. So that classifies. But it it's soup done. Then. It's done differently. Mm-hmm. It's done differently. Mm-hmm. You're dealing. If you're gonna make a good mm-hmm. sauce, here's what you're gonna do. You're gonna throw a bunch of t- crushed tomatoes in there. You're gonna throw a little bit of paste to thicken it up. Mm-hmm. You do that whole thing with the chili. You're throwing in tomato sauce. You're throwing in maybe some tomatoes if you want to go that way to mix into this sauce. But you're dealing with basically a soup. Here's my definition. And then you throw the meat and the beans in there. I don't think a soup can be a meal. I think soup. Oh, now you're dead you're wrong. wrong. Man. No, I, I think you're soup. It up. I think soup is a side dish. Mm-mm. Chili is a meal. No, I just had soup for a meal today when I had the chowder. Chowder's not soup, but chowder is chowder soup. Chowder is soup. It is not. So then, why? Wait, chowder. What is chowder then? Cream base is not. <laughs> cream base is not. What are you? What? Cream, cream of crab. Cream of broccoli. Cream listen, of mushroom. Listen here. Cream base. <laughs> Is not a broth. It's a cream. It's a meal. Meal means no soup. Chowder, chili, not a soup. Oh, no. So you're saying if it has cream in it, it can't be a broth? Correct. Okay. In my I'm personal definition. That. Like when Jerry said that broccoli cheese soup is a soup, I think they add soup to the end. Broccoli cheese soup ain't soup. Broccoli cheese soup, as they say, it just... It's broccoli floating in melted cheesy stuff. Cream of chicken soup. No, nope. a good soup, right? Nope. It's it's a soup. It's, it's a, a meal. Soup in the name. It's a meal. But a soup can be a meal. That's why you're wrong. That's why you're not getting this. Would it change your opinion? I think you've changed the argument because you can't admit that chili is a soup. Chili's not a soup. <laughs> Would you change your mind, Brian, if I told you that 63% of people on Twitter disagree with no, you? No, I dig in harder. Twitter's pretty good barometer, I yeah, think. Yeah, what Twitter's think? a great barometer. I agree. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, yeah, it's a great barometer. Yeah. No, they're all wrong on Twitter. All 63% of them. Chili is a soup. Look, I get it. Chili is the best soup, and it deserves a name on it all of its own. Chili sets itself aside within the soup community. It is a high-standing member of the soup society. But it is nonetheless a soup. It's just a damn cool soup. No, it's just like the soup's cool cousin. It's yeah. not the same thing. Not my cousin's in the same family as humans, but she's not the which same. Which makes her it, like it's it's a soup. She's completely different. She's not. She's yes, a human. She I'm stop. She's a human. Soup is soup. Chili is a soup. 
It is. Matthew tweets at underscore Adam Crowley. Chili is more a stew than super sauce. But stew is a soup. soup. Stew is a soup. But a stew is a stew. A stew is a thick soup. They wouldn't have made up a new name for something if it was just soup, so they called it stew. I don't think chili is a stew. I think chili is its own entity. Chili can be chili, just like how stew can be stew. A taco's not a sandwich. It doesn't need its own own distinction, just like chili does. So we're breaking things down into there's chowders, there's soups. There's stews and there's chilies. There's okay. bisques too, I guess. A well, is a bisque is the a same soup? as a soup? I don't think so. It's cream baked. A bisque is it? No, not well, all bisques. Not bisques all bisques are always cream based. They're not though. always cream based. I just had a lobster bisque yeah. that wasn't. It was brothy. Yeah, they're usually they don't have any kind of meat in them. It's usually, it's usually just, fish. Yes, and it's usually pureed. Okay, chicken noodle soup. You ever put it on a hot dog? It's impossible. Agreed. I, I tell you what, though, if you went to a ballpark right now. And they had a thick cream of chicken that had a little bit of extra thickness to it. And they sold you the chicken oh. noodle hot dog. Dude, you'd eat that down right, right away. It's just right ma- right. I could do it today. I just need to add a little a little uh, flour to my, my chicken noodle soup. This is a ridiculous hypothetical because you go to a ballpark and they put chili on your dog. They won't put cream of balls Dude, on it. They'll put crab dip. I mean, you can go anyway with it. Agreed. And crab dip, not a soup. Not a soup at all. Chili, not a soup. You put it on a hot dog. I rest my case. That is, hot dog cannot be the eternal definition of why chili is not a soup. It's that part can't of be it's right. a pretty good argument, though. It, part it's of it, a though. decent argument, but yeah. That, I, okay, cool, cool. But but still, You're you defeated. can take any kind of soup if you make it thick enough and throw it on a hot dog. But, but then is it a don't. soup anymore? Because like Crowley's saying, if it's too thick, it's cream-based, we might move into chowder territory. But chowder is a soup. But wait, no, we just broke it down into the categories. Now it's I'm looking online and stew and they're ch- separate but equal. They're on the Jerry did bring up that they're on the menu in the same category at Dude, the Steelers the facility. You, they're one, one, and oh, one. I thought I mean, he meant all around. No, right? he was talking about the Steelers. Okay. Restaurants, restaurants, people who do this for a living, they understand food when they make their menus. They put it under the soup category. Uh, we don't know that though. That's just hearsay. Here's no, it. they do. Hey, I mean, what? you've been we to a restaurant, that. Tom. The soup of the day is chili. Wow, you're calling Tom fat now. It's that's really, that's it's really not that not obvious. No. Tom, Jesus. you know I was nowhere no. near that. That's I don't know anything anymore. Right you there. think chili's a soup. I can't trust you. Chili is a soup of, day, soup of the day, soup du jour, in many a restaurant. Why is it soup of the day? It's not chili of the day. 412-922-2874. Is chili a soup? While you let that simmer, hey. Oh, while you let that stew. I'll tell you why the Steelers aren't in as bad of a position as I thought they were. And it has nothing really to do with the Steelers. The NFL is just a heaping pot, how about that, of mediocrity. Bubbling up to the surface. There are only three undefeated teams in the league. Only three winless teams in the league. Every other team is within a game of the other squads. So as bad as we think the Steelers have been, and they have not been good. They're right in the thick of this. Think about this. The Steelers are 1-1-1, and yet it's below the expectation. But the league is all within one standard deviation from the mean, math. So it's actually fine. If the Steelers win this weekend, they could be in first place by Sunday night. Need the Brownies to lose. Likely to happen. You need the Bengals to lose. I think that's going to happen. So if the Steelers just beat the Ravens at home, which they've been pretty good at, they lead the division. And they stink. 
There are some other teams that stink that are leading divisions right now, too. The Dolphins, they're not good. They're mediocre. They're 3-0. and They're a facade. They're not real. They're masquerading as something else, like Chili. They're masquerading as a contender. But they're not a contender. They're not a contender. No, they stink. Three undefeated teams, three winless teams, everyone else in the crockpot, all together, mixed up, jumbled, and bad. Mediocre. Steelers are okay. You don't want to start stacking losses, though. You lose this one, and then you lose to Cincinnati in a couple of weeks, yeah, then you're in trouble. But you ain't there yet. The oven timer hasn't gone off. Stovetop. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. John does. He has, is chili a soup? Google. He screenshot it. Says if chili wants to be a soup, be a soup. It is the official opinion of International Chili Society that chili is not and should not be considered a soup. Sounds good to me. Wow. We got a society on it, and it's Why an international Why are you guys one. trying to put, put chili in a box? If chili wants to be a soup, it can be a soup these days. And Let I think, chili be a soup. Well, if I think chili wants to be its own thing, it should be able to be its no, own thing. No, I know thing, chili, and, and chili wants to be a soup. You don't know chili like I know chili. <laughs> I, I know chili better than you know chili. Unfortunately, Brian, chili was born as chili, and it can't, you can't just decide no, whether you want to be a soup or not. Soup. Uh, I don't know, man. It started off the way every other little soup baby starts, in a kitchen with some liquid, and they throw some meat in, it grows up, and it matures, and it becomes big, bad, soupy soup. Brian, you think just like chili, you just think, like chicken noodle. You think being a soup is a choice, and that's where you're wrong. You're wow. either born a soup intolerance. Or you're a I am not saying it's a choice. I am saying Sounds that like chili it. can be chili because chili came through the same process as soup, which makes it soup soup, but it can be on its own and it can live and exist in its own way and be happy with it. I think if you can exist independent from a bowl, you ain't a soup. Ooh. Chili can't. Chili yes, Skyline. Can. Skyline. It's on spaghetti. Hot dogs. It's on hot but dogs. have you ever had it in Sensi? They usually give it in like one of those little bowl plates. It's like high edge. Oh, okay, now we're oh, because you got plates. you got you got pasta in there too. So they're looking for kind of a hybrid thing. Don't come at me with Skyline chili. Okay, how about the hot dog thing again, though? I mean, if it can exist you, you as its own, if that. it can exist as its own entity, it's not a soup. Where? What happens when you're done that hot dog? What happens? What do you get to eat after you're done that hot dog? A beer. No. Yeah, all the chili that fell off that hot dog. Right? I you got to scoop fall. it up with the finger and like, mm, yum, that's good. You shouldn't be able Whoa. to scoop a soup. Yeah, you know what you can't do when it falls on the ground? Is scoop it up and eat it when the soup falls on the ground? Depends what soup. I think you could with a nice thick cream of broccoli. That's disgusting. <laughs> I mean, I like my soup. <laughs> it's like Kevin from The Office when he spills his big vat of chili and he's scooping it up with all the... Manila folders. About all those are good for these days. It's 2018. Go <laughs> online, Kevin Dunder Mifflin. It's amazing how much the soup conversation just is. It's like, just it paints the world. This is at the heart of everything. It's the only the thing I want to talk about today. It is at the heart of everything. We could solve all of our problems if we just solved this one question. I'm on my side of the aisle. So's Tom. Brian's on his own side, and we cannot come to a decision. You guys are hating me for it. You're judging. Four one two nine two 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 eight seven four. Coming up next, probably more of that. But does the constant flagging in the NFL? We wanted to get into this yesterday. We didn't. Does that make you less likely to watch a football game? It's the Crowley Show.